0: Hi everyone, my name is Shaney. I'm a grateful believer who is celebrating recovery from past emotional, physical, and sexual abuse. (laughs) So I received a message from Scott last week asking if I could give my testimony this week. And my first thought was no. Then came the excuses. I don't feel well. I need time to update it. I think my dog might need me. I need to wash my hair. All these excuses, but I said yes, and he knows that I'll say yes, because this is what I've learned in recovery, that if I've given the opportunity to give back, I do it. Please pray with me. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, um, I wasn't nervous till I walked up here. Please calm my nerves and just push me out of the way so that your story can be told. Um, Let someone just hear the message of hope, that is only found in you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As a child, my mom, who I lived with, was trying to survive as a single mother of four and was rarely home, and my dad didn't come around much. I'm the youngest of four, and my older siblings were often left to take care of me. The two oldest were in their preteens and were into the party scene, which means my sister, who is only three years older than me, was often left to watch after me. During these younger, unsupervised years, I was molested when I was around four years old. These memories did not surface until I was in my 20s and remained a secret until I started recovery. And then it was faced with disbelief and denial. When I was seven years old, my mom moved us into a home of a man she was dating. This new man in our life was an alcoholic who was abusive and controlling. I do want to say that this man became my dad, whom I loved very much, and I truly believe that he loved us the best that he knew how. My mom would take the abuse for a little while, and then we would move out. But she kept going back with the promises that things would be different. During the times of living on our own, we didn't see much of our mom, so my sister was again left to watch after me. This meant that we were able to run around unsupervised at all hours, and we didn't have any rules. But we also had no stability, and as young girls, we were putting ourselves in unsafe situations. During the times that we lived in my stepdad's house, there was stress and tension. But the positive of living there, this was the first time that I felt a sense of family. These are my first memories of my mom being present. When I was young, I had a speech problem and was teased often, so I was withdrawn and quiet. As I grew older, the teasing continued with my speech, my body, my nationality, and much more. This teasing often came from within my own home. I felt like such an outsider in my family that I became convinced that I was adopted, but I was reassured that I would not have been adopted because they hadn't wanted any more kids after the first three. I now know that this was not said to hurt me, rather it was said trying to reassure me that I belonged. But regardless of the intention, sorry, lost my place, it fed into that inner voice that spoke so loud to me for most of my life, this voice that told me that I wasn't loved or wanted. It controlled me and kept me feeling inadequate. At the age of seven, I found something that could quiet this voice. I got drunk for the first time. My mom and dad encouraged us to have a brandy and coke and then go up on the roof to watch fireworks. This drink was horrible, but I drank it because my parents were watching and laughing. I was receiving that positive attention that I was always seeking. I discovered that this drink not only gave me the attention that I wanted, but it also quieted that negative inner voice. The alcohol took away the feelings of unworthiness. It was for brief moments, but these moments were what I continued to chase for many years to come. I started acting out in school, stealing, sneaking out of my house, and not really concerned about consequences. As a result of my behaviors, I was raped when I was 11 years old. I blamed myself for this rape because he told me it was my fault for leading him on. So I carried that shame and guilt with me until I entered recovery. When I was 13, I ran away to Oregon with a boyfriend. I realized that my current situation was no better than where I was running from, so I went to live with my biological dad. I had a lot more freedoms here, which I took full advantage of. I was ditching school, drinking, doing drugs, sneaking boys into the house, and so much more. I would try whatever was offered to me in hopes that it would change the way I felt. When I was a sophomore, I started dating this guy who I thought was the love of my life. About a year into our relationship, I became pregnant. We honestly didn't even consider keeping the baby and I chose to have an abortion. The memories of this experience haunted me until recovery. The only people who knew of this abortion were my sister and then my daughter. I shared my experience with my daughter when she became pregnant and was considering an abortion as an option. I'm thankful to say that she chose to keep her baby, and I have a beautiful 15-year-old granddaughter today. During my first step study, I gained the courage through another woman to confess this to others. With that confession, I was finally able to start the process of forgiving myself for this choice that I had made so many years ago. I share this with the hope that God will do for someone else what he did for me. I pray that he will use my words to give another courage to share that pain with someone so that he can start healing that hurt. After several other unhealthy relationships, I met my daughter's father. I again became pregnant but refused to have an abortion. I was 17 and a senior in high school. I used my pregnancy as an excuse to drop out of school. He decided he wasn't ready to be a father and left. After I had my daughter, I fell back into those old behaviors, using drugs, alcohol, and men to make me feel wanted. Eventually, I married that guy from high school. I had never gotten over him and felt special when he asked me to marry him. I now believe that he chose me because due to my insecurities, I tolerated his cheating and abusive behavior. When I became pregnant with my second child, I stopped using drugs, but he continued. As his drug use progressed, so did the abusive behaviors. I never told anyone about the abuse. I would hide the bruises and pretend that everything was fine. I believed him when he told me that nobody else would ever love me. And since I had never known anything different, I stayed. I finally gained the courage to leave him when he knocked me to the ground and kicked me in the stomach while I was pregnant with my third child. I was finally free of this seven and a half year marriage that was full of emotional, physical, and sexual abuse. At this point, I pushed everyone out of my life. I was determined to never let anyone harm me or my children again, and I thought that if I didn't allow anyone in, they couldn't hurt us. I again turned to alcohol and men, trying to fill that emptiness that I was filling, and then came along this guy named Sam. He started out as a drinking buddy, then a roommate, when I lost my job due to my drinking and anger, and then my best friend. He was, and still is, sweet and goofy, and he makes me laugh. I was in a dark time in my life, and I needed that laughter more than I realized. We married in June 2000. We pretended we had this perfect little family, but the truth was that we were both very broken and had no idea how to have a healthy relationship. I was controlling and self-centered, and he acted out by constantly arguing with the kids. I always took our children's side, regardless if they were right or not, because I thought I needed to protect them. With my actions, I was telling Sam that he was not worthy, and I was teaching our children that Sam's opinion meant nothing. Our marriage and family life progressively grew worse. We would scream and fight with each other and our kids. I threatened divorce because I was just too tired to fight anymore. In 2007, our children encouraged us to come here to Big Valley Grace. My attendance was very inconsistent until October 23rd, 2010. I had just turned 41 on this day and my life was a mess. My marriage was on the verge of divorce and I desperately needed something different in my life. I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior on this night. At the time, I had no idea what great timing God has. Second Thessalonians 3.3, my Lord is faithful and he will strengthen and protect me from the evil one. A few months later on February 12th, 2011, I discovered that my husband of 10 years was an addict who was deep in his addiction. I had no idea. Our family laughs today because looking back, I should have figured it out when he tried to repair a leak in our air mattress with a patch and a (laughs) blowtorch. I asked permission to leave it in there. He said yes. (laughs) I asked him to leave our home. This was the first time in my life that I looked to God to help me. As I had mentioned, his timing was amazing. Two days later, my husband was turned away from a rehab, and I was driving him back to Stockton, where he was staying with family. He was sitting in the passenger seat, shivering and in pain from withdrawals. I became angry with God. Why wasn't he helping me? I turned my radio off of my Christian station and put it on rock. Within seconds, my husband's phone rang. It was Pastor Rick checking to see how he was doing. I was shocked and quickly turned the radio back to my Christian station. (laughs) In that moment, I felt that God was letting me know that he was still there and to not give up hope. Psalm 46.1, God is our refuge and strength, and ever-present help in trouble. The day that I discovered my husband was an addict was devastating in the moment, but I now look back to this day as the day of new beginnings. This day of discovery was my bottom. I started attending NA meetings to support my husband and was starting to realize that I may need recovery, but I was too busy trying to control his recovery to take an honest look at myself all while claiming that I was not codependent. Then I started attending Celebrate Recovery with my husband and daughter, but only stayed for the large group, because I believed I didn't belong here since I hadn't used alcohol since my husband started recovery. One day, my daughter handed me the pamphlet for emotional, physical, and sexual abuse. This was the first time that I started to realize that maybe I, too, needed help. I was so busy playing the victim role all my life that I never realized what effect my behaviors had on the people around me. Matthew 7:3 why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? I knew it was time to take that scary leap into small group, but I was hesitant and fearful. I was insecure, untrusting, and didn't believe in sharing my personal life with others but I finally went to small group, and for the first time in my life, I openly shared my struggles with others. One of the women in this group suggested that I get a sponsor and start the step study that had just started, so I did. This woman became my sponsor and guided me through the ups and downs of working my steps. I will be forever grateful for her sincerity, patience, and godly advice. I went through this first step study, isolated and disconnected, And even though I wanted to quit, I kept going because I didn't want to let others see me fail. I felt very out of place and uncomfortable, not because of the women in the room, but because of my own insecurities, fears, and doubts. But I kept coming back. And even though I wasn't making those personal connections, God was using this time to work on me. He was softening my heart and helping me break down my walls of distrust. He was showing me that my worth was not determined by my past or by what others thought of me. He was teaching me that it was okay to not be perfect. He was using this time to teach me about his love and grace, both by his words and by using others here at CR to model what that looked like. During the first few steps, I started learning about the words powerless and surrender. Early on in my recovery, I considered these words to be those of weakness. I was thinking of these words in terms of the abusive parent, boyfriends, and ex husband. For me, powerless and surrender meant succumbing to the abuse. I had to discover for myself who God was. What I found forever changed my life. I found this faithful, loving, forgiving, accepting, and encouraging father that I never knew existed. During this first step study, I started to understand that the love and acceptance that I had been seeking my entire life was always there in my Heavenly Father. He was just waiting for me to recognize Him. Being powerless and surrendering to Him brings peace, not destruction. John 14:27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. The fourth step was the hardest for me, and to be honest, I wanted to run. It was painful to step out of my denial into the truth of all the pain of the past and the harm that I had caused to the people that I loved. It sickened me to face the things that I had hidden away in those dark, secret places for so many years. But thankfully, I heard others share about the freedoms found in this process, and I was starting to believe that change was possible. Then came the time to share all this with my sponsor, which was a struggle. I was fearful of trusting someone with my secrets, both things done to me and the things I did to others. God gave me the courage needed to openly confess my life. This was my first experience of being completely open and honest with another person. Afterwards, I felt like a huge weight had just been lifted from my shoulders. I was starting to feel some of that inner peace that I had been seeking. During this first step study, I learned that I had mastered playing the victim role. I had justified my ungodly behaviors with the belief that this is what I needed to do to protect myself. With this, I had become the abuser in my family. I had become the very person that I had tried to protect my children from. I was emotionally detached, angry, and communicated through yelling and cussing. I put so much pressure on my family to be perfect, and of course, always helped them try to achieve this perfection, that they constantly felt like they weren't good enough. Nobody could live up to my expectations, including myself. My trying to control them so that they didn't make mistakes and my fears of losing them caused great damage to them and our relationships. Using the tools that I continue to learn in CR, I've been able to make my amends and work on having healthy relationships with my family. This has been a difficult process for all of us, and I'm incredibly grateful for their patience and love. My marriage that was on the verge of divorce has been restored. Today, Sam and I work together through God to have a healthy relationship. This has not been an easy road, and it has taken a lot of work. Early in our recovery, we attended the Fight for Your Marriage class that Scott and Susie led here at Big Valley. This class taught me that I was still trying to control everything in our lives and that I wasn't truly listening to my husband. Today, we work through the problems that arise. We communicate what we are feeling and we listen to one another. We continue to go to marriage events as we hear about them because we treat our marriage the same way we do our recovery. If we are not actively working on it, then we're in relapse mode. After 23 years of marriage, we have this incredible friendship and a love that keeps growing because we work on it every day. The last several years have been life changing. October 2019, my husband went in for a heart cath and had a major heart attack followed by multiple heart attacks and the doctor couldn't tell me if he was going to survive the night i stood at sam's bedside silently crying out please god no i didn't have any words in me romans 8:26 in the same way the spirit helps us in our weakness we do not know what we ought to pray for but the spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans In the midst of this unreal and terrifying moment, God used our children and Scott to give me some comfort. The last thing that I had communicated to Scott was that Sam's procedure went fine because this is what we were told before the doctor had come to talk to us. So Scott comes walking into the room with a big gulp in hand, totally unprepared for what he saw. But when I saw him, it brought some order to to an out of control moment. And then he prayed the words that I couldn't find. This was recovery in action for me. Our kids were amazing through this. We pulled together strong and spent the next week in the hospital by Sam's side. Sam and I spent the next several months trying to adapt to this new life. The doctor said no stressors. We're still trying to figure that one out. (laughs) They said go on a plant-based diet. So we haven't eaten meat or dairy for over three years. (laughs) but through all of this, I had a piece that confused me so much so that I thought maybe I was in denial, but this wasn't the case. I was growing more dependent on God, and he was pulling me in closer. The following year after that, my mom was diagnosed with lung cancer. She was given two years to live. This was not an easy road to walk, but God was there shining his light into that darkness. He blessed me with some precious moments with my mom through her sickness that I've never experienced before. And for that, I'll always be grateful. She is now with our Heavenly Father, and I look forward to seeing that bright smile of hers again someday. Then I was told that I, too, had cancer. I was diagnosed with leukemia and put on daily chemo. My life drastically changed overnight. And although I miss that old life, I'm grateful for the continued growth in my relationship with God through this experience. Don't misunderstand me, I still have my struggles. I struggle with asking for help, admitting that I can't do something, not feeling well, my inability to think clearly or put my thoughts together, and the list goes on. But God is teaching me to be humble and accepting of my reality today. It is only through God that I am able to walk through all this with a smile on my face and joy in my heart. Philippians 4, 7, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Sam and I are able to laugh at our illnesses. We poke fun at each other all the time. Well, you have heart issues. Well, you have cancer. Um, some people think it's more, but that's how we survive. We laugh. <laughs> um, so, and then I have, you know, chemo brain is real and it provides a lot of laughs in our home. And he told me I had to keep this story in here if I was going to tell the blowtorch story. So I got to tell you about the shower door incident. So I got stuck in the shower. The hinge door was not opening. I started to panic. Could I climb over it? So I'm looking, it's one that's like this far from the ceiling, nope, too high. Should I yell for Sam to come rescue me? Then after several moments, that seemed like minutes, clarity hit, and I realized that I was trying to open the door the wrong way. (laughs) Push, don't pull. (laughs) Uh, So I joined a step study shortly after this diagnosis to work through the emotions and struggles of having leukemia. It was my six-step study, and I truly believe that I have grown in new areas with each one. And then a few months ago, I was told I had skin cancer and needed surgery to remove it. I went to this procedure thinking it was no big deal. People have this done all the time. The cancer was deeper than they expected, and when they finally removed it all, most of the left side of my nose had also been removed. So they had to do reconstructive surgery with a skin graft to try to repair the damage. Um, So first couple days, I had a bandage on there. Two days later, when I took the bandage off, I went into a spiral. I had stitches from my eye down to my chin, black eyes, and a deformed nose. I went into a depression for several days before I took it to God. When I went to him, there he was handing me back my piece. He reminded me that what is inside matters so much more than what is on the outside. This has been another opportunity to put my faith in the recovery tools that I have received into action. I am a firm believer that there is a positive in every situation, sometimes harder to find than others, but it's always there. I walked into recovery 11 years ago with no self-esteem, angry and untrusting of people, I panicked in social settings without the crutch of alcohol and drugs, and God still used me to serve him by greeting and connecting with others. CR has given and continues to give me the tools needed to live a healthier life. Through CR, I found God, and through God, I have finally discovered who I am. I am a happy, strong, loving, confident woman. I no longer obsess over what others think of me. Today, I have true friendships with people who accept me for who I am. If you are new to recovery, I would like to take this opportunity to encourage you to keep coming. God brings each one of us here for reasons that we may not understand, but you can be certain that it's all part of his plans. I encourage you to stay and find out what his plans for you are. We are all worthy in his eyes, and in the end, that's all that truly matters. Thank you.
1: check one two there we go all right hey my name is josh i'm recovering from sexual addiction i'm adult child of a jacked up family hey guys cheney thank you so much for sharing your story you've been around these you've been around this place for quite some time and you have given back to so many people that are in here and we're blessed by you not just by your testimony but how you live your life outside of that too thank you The second thing that came to my mind is, Sam, how did you get her? So (laughs) our question for today is, how has your addiction, codependency um, impacted your important relationships? Let's say the serenity prayer together. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can in the wisdom to know the difference, living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will, so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever the next, amen.